1350 ESPN here. It is Wicket's World on a Friday. And man, what a difference a week makes from where we were at last week going into the Cyhawk game. The biggest Cyhawk game in the history of the state. All the expectation there for uh, the Iowa State Cyclones to rise up and take down Big Brother. And you know what happened in that game? You know what happened in that game? Iowa State got beat down by Big Brother. Little Brother in the series, and you know I know Iowa State fan doesn't want to hear that, but Little Brother in the series has now dropped five in a row under Matt Campbell. Little Brother in the series has now not won since 2014. I know they didn't play this game last year because of COVID-19, but Little Brother looking at a one and one record, falling back from 9-14. to 14. And you know what? They 100% deserve to get called Little Brother. They did 100% <clears throat> excuse me, deserve to get bounced all the way back to, to number 14 from number 9 with that effort they put out. Let's talk about Iowa State here for a second because all I heard in the offseason, whether I was talking to my guy Michael Swain or reading every blog or talking to every Iowa State Cyclone fan or just from watching Iowa State last year and everybody they brought back, you had the great quarterback, the best quarterback in the history of the school in uh, Brock Purdy coming back. I mean, the guy is on all the watch lists for the Heisman. I don't know if anybody actually took him serious to, to win a Heisman, but you had Brock Purdy coming back, and Brock Purdy was supposed to win you a lot of football games and make plays, and he's been in these big kinds of games, and Brock Purdy was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to elevate you because he's, you know, in theory, it's his final year. He still could come back one more year because of the weird COVID eligibility rules, but he's probably done, I would think. I, I don't know, maybe after the effort that he has shown so far this year, you know, not the best effort against Northern Iowa, and then not the best effort against the Iowa Hawkeyes. It made change the way that Brock Purdy feels you know back in the preseason when Brock Purdy was uh you know doing all the interviews like he's supposed to as a leader as a senior as a captain as the quarterback of the top seven seventh ranked Iowa State Cyclones he seemed really really confident well over the first two games of the year Brock Purdy doesn't seem quite as confident nor should he because his play hasn't been very good in fact Brock Purdy has been pretty bad uh, in these two games. Going back to last week, and I know this still sticks with every Iowa State fan out there. I mean, I know Iowa's moved on. They're looking at Kent State, and Colorado State, and the rest of the Big Ten schedule. And I'll get to the Hawkeyes. But I, but Purdy has played poorly in the biggest game, perhaps, of his life. You can say the Fiesta Bowl. <clears throat> excuse me. You can say the Fiesta Bowl was the biggest game of his life, and, and he played well. And they won that football game, and they dominated. They they stomped all over Oregon. But in this game, an Iowa State fan will probably tell you that the Cyhawk game matters more than a Fiesta Bowl. I know to some people that's insane, but that's the way that a lot of Iowa State fans will feel. So Iowa State fan has to be looking at Brock Purdy thinking, biggest game ever, and you turn in that performance – Threw the couple of picks. Now, one of them, not his fault, goes through his receiver's hands. He threw it a little high, a little hard, but that's still that's a ball that's got to be caught. But if you look at Brock Purdy in this football game, Brock Purdy didn't look very good. What would he finish? Uh, 13 of 27 for a 138 and three interceptions. 
I mean, Aaron Rodgers last Sunday thinks that was a craptastic performance. The 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 what I can't quite understand is is there something wrong with Brock Purdy or is sort of is he is he has he regressed so far this year? You look at some of the passes that you would expect a guy at this point in his career to be able to make, and he did not make them. Uh, particularly the deep ball, the two really big deep passes. One was an incomplete pass, and the other down the same, basically the same route down the middle. Brock Purdy threw it up, and and that and the first one were both short, allowing the defensive back to close the gap, and at the last minute, either knock it away, or in the case of one of his interceptions, pick it off, which was a huge game-changing play. If he throws that ball 10 yards to the left, or 5 or 8 yards to the left, as that wide receiver is running in that direction, that ball is probably caught for a big gain and leads to a bunch of points scored by Iowa State. Meanwhile, it goes the other way. That's not supposed to happen for Brock Purdy this year. Those kinds of plays are supposed to be out of his, uh, you know, his playbook. So that really blew me away. The play of Brock Purdy in the in the Cyhawk game was mind blowing, mind blowingly bad. The play of Brees Hall. The one play that matters for Brees Hall. I mean, Hall finished with 16 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Nothing spectacular. But on the first drive of that third quarter, after Iowa State scored at the end of the first half and then got the ball back and they were starting to go the other way, and you thought, okay, they're going to go back-to-back, and this game is going to be great. This game is going to be fun to watch. It was 14-10 at half. Here we go. The strip, the scoop, the score, and you just felt the air come completely out of the Iowa State Cyclones on that one. It was like, man, our leader can't stop throwing the ball to the other team. Our running back can't hold on to the football. I mean, Brees Hall doesn't fumble, but he did then. And it led to a massive score for Iowa that completely took the momentum that Iowa State had built, created, worked their way up to in that first uh, in that first half and just pulled the pin. It was over. It was done. It was it. And at that moment, you're like, uh-oh. I, I'm an Iowa State fan, and I can smell this coming. Because according to my wife, who is an Iowa State grad, she was a class of 2003, you know, we're watching the game, and she said, you know, I, I actually I said to her, I said, you know what? Sorry about your boys. Sorry about your team. And she looked at me, and she said, I'm used to it. And it's weird to say that because all of this talk about Matt Campbell, all of this talk about bigger and better jobs for Campbell, all of this talk, whether it's Michigan, maybe he's the next guy for Nebraska, maybe he's waiting for Ohio State, the Detroit Lions, the New York Jets. He's 0-5 against his big rival. Like, that's Jim Harbaugh bad. You know, he's never won a Big 12 title. Jim Harbaugh bad. Now, he's got a Fiesta Bowl win and a couple of conference, you know, Coach of the Year awards. But this is starting to become, not starting, it's continuing a pattern for Matt Campbell. He's now 8-12 in the month of August and the month of September combined as head coach of Iowa State. It's amazing what can happen in just two games, or in this case, just a game where they won, but they won ugly, and a game that they didn't win, and the shine that was on Matt Campbell in the offseason, and everybody talking about Matt Campbell, 
And now look at the feeling towards Matt Campbell. Now it's, well, I'm glad he's our Iowa State coach because he can win some games here. That's it. Like, the expectation for the season has completely changed. I think if you're an Iowa State fan, you look at your squad, and in the preseason you were saying Iowa State is a legit because of the quarterback, the running back, the linebacker, the tight end, all of those things, and the head coach, you were thinking Iowa State is a legit team to get to the college football playoff. You weren't crazy, and Vegas was giving you pretty good odds on Iowa State getting to the postseason and playing in that college football playoff. Maybe they beat Oklahoma. Maybe they get them twice. They got all the right ingredients, all that kind of stuff. And then two games in, and they fall to 14 with nothing in front of them that's going to be an impressive win until they get to Oklahoma in November. All of a sudden, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, doesn't look like this great coach. He looks like a kind of guy who could rack up a bunch of wins, pick off, you know, Oklahoma every so often. And and that's fine if you're an Iowa State fan and that's what you expect, but man, this was the greatest Iowa State team ever coming back. This was the great quarterback. This was the great tight end, the great linebacker, the All-American linebacker. This was Will McDonald, who people are saying is a first-round pick on that defensive line. Brees Hall could be the first running back taken. I can't see Brees Hall after two games under 70 yards rushing contending for the Doak Walker Award, like so many people were talking about, including me. I think that campaign is gone. Purdy for Heisman, gone. All of that, gone. If you're an Iowa State fan, you know what you're rooting for right now? You're rooting for chaos. You're rooting for a whole bunch of stuff in front of you to fall backwards, to get hot, to figure out what you did at the end of last year, to to, to right this ship. And if you're looking at Iowa State's schedule, as I mentioned, there is not much left to impress the judges, to impress the committee, to impress the computers, whatever. I mean, they got UNLV coming up this weekend. What you hope, if you're an Iowa State fan, is that the hangover doesn't continue into this weekend's game. Because what a tricky game that is. That's a 9.30 kick our time. That's a 9.30 kick here. You know, it's a 7.30 kick in Vegas. I love Las Vegas, but it's a 7.30 kick in Vegas. And you never know. I have no idea how good UNLV is. I can't tell you anything about UNLV. I mean, Tark's running Rebs. That's all I got for you about UNLV. I know they fire uh, a little cannon before football games. I know that if I was a student in Las Vegas, my gosh, but you, what you hope if you're an Iowa State fan, which you may be if you're listening to this here on 1350 ESPN, you're hoping that Iowa State can regroup and put this one behind them and move on because after UNLV, they go to Baylor. That's winnable. Kansas is a joke as always at K-State. That's tricky. Playing in the Little Apple. Okie State at West Virginia. There are some games in here that they can trip and fall. But if they are going to get to Oklahoma on November 20th, and they want to have any chance of saying to the college football playoff committee, we belong, we should be the one-loss team you look at, and they win the Big 12 championship game, we deserve they got to run this. One more loss, and that is gone. The pressure now is completely 
Well, the, the pressure is one of two things. The pressure now is either completely all on Matt Campbell and this Iowa State football team, or the pressure is completely off. And it's, well, you know, we lost Iowa again. Let's see what happens. And they literally do this by going game by game. UNLV first at Baylor, Kansas. Get to October 3-1. and one. It's a disappointing loss to lose to Iowa, but it happens. Iowa, and I'm going to talk about them coming up next. Iowa is now preseason, or I'm sorry, now is ranked number five. Preseason 18, last week 10, now they're five. That's amazing. <laughs> That's an amazing three-week progression for a Big Ten team that nobody had expectation for. And I mean nobody had uh, expectation for. But Iowa State fan, I know you're reeling. I know it sucks. Uh, but get past UNLV, Baylor, Kansas, and then your next big matchup is K-State. If they lose to UNLV, man, man, oh, man. Coming up, I still want to touch on one more thing that stuck out to me from that Iowa State game. Uh, I'm sorry, from the Cyhawk game for Iowa State because I don't get what Matt Campbell was thinking in the fourth quarter. Plus, I want to hit on the Hawkeyes. And are they really a top-five team? That's next, right here on 1350 ESPN. 1350 ESPN Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Thank you so much for being here. Coming up tonight, we have the uh, Cubs and Brewers up in Milwaukee. I think it's still, it's not Miller Park, but I can't remember what it's called, so I'm just going to call it Miller Park. We'll have that one for you. Uh, 645 for the pregame and 720 first pitch with Pat and Ron here on your home for Cubs baseball, 1350 ESPN. So one more quick note on Iowa State before I get to uh, Iowa, all right? Because to me, the one, the biggest thing that came out of this game besides it being an embarrassment for Iowa State to lose again. The one other thing that came out of this for me, and Twitter was all a flutter about this, why did Matt Campbell pull Brock Purdy? I know he had thrown three picks and he wasn't playing great, but why in the world, if you're Matt Campbell, do you pull Brock Purdy? He is allegedly the greatest quarterback in the history of the school. And I know Seneca Wallace is probably listening to this show because that's what Seneca Wallace does. He's a big fan of mine. And he would put his hand up. But you you look at the guy who's going to own all the records, all the numbers, all the wins. This is a different era for Iowa State football. You know, six wins isn't a great year anymore. Eight, nine wins is kind of the expectation. Double-digit wins is where the bar is at right now if you're Iowa State under Matt Campbell with Brock Purdy. And for him to pull Purdy in this football game was shocking. Absolutely shocking. There were like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I thought, that's the white flag. You just waved the white flag down. I mean, it was they were down three scores. Don't get me wrong. But when you pull your great quarterback, your star quarterback, when you yank him in the fourth quarter down just three scores with 10 minutes to go, you have waved the white flag and you have given everybody in the media, every posting board, everybody on Twitter, every media outlet, you have now said, I have a quarterback controversy. And I know what Matt Campbell said 
after the game and what he has said this week leading up to their UNLV game. Oh, no, no, no. We're, uh, Brock is our guy. Yeah, but it sure didn't look like Brock was your guy. Oh, but Wicket, wait. I, I know. He threw three picks. He was playing terribly. He was getting beat up. That's fine. But if Steph Curry is 0 for 10, Steve Kerr is not pulling Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Like, Steve Curry is still going to start, uh, keep feeding the ball to Steph Curry. Well, Wicked Purdy and, and Steph Curry, you're talking about the greatest of all time, the greatest shooter of all time, and just a, a good college quarterback. You get my point. You understand what I'm saying. Shooters shoot. Stars break out of slumps. You know, it's it's... When you're only down three scores, it's not the game's not over. You're playing at home. You got playmakers all over the field. You got the offensive genius for a football coach, for a head coach. Why in the world he pulled him, I don't understand. And they wanted to give the backup some some minutes, some run. Hunter Deckers, who was eleven of sixteen for a buck fourteen and a touchdown. That's fine. But at any time now, when Purdy struggles. Are we going to expect Hunter Deckers to be up and throwing? Does this mean we will, for the rest of the year, if you're an Iowa State fan, are you always going to have a quarterback controversy? Are you going to have two quarterbacks fighting for minutes? Because everybody knows that if you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have a starting quarterback. If you have two guys that you're believing in, you don't have one guy that you believe in. And that, to me, is an atrocity with Purdy coming in. Unless Purdy's done, which I would never, ever, ever believe. I I cannot believe that would be the direction that Matt Campbell goes. I thought it was a bad move on Campbell's part. I thought it, it was a white flag, like, we're done, we give up. With 10 minutes to go, 9 minutes to go, down three scores at home? No, I that was a bad move by Matt Campbell. And he deserves all the questions. And unfortunately, Purdy's going to get all the questions all week and all year about Hunter Deckers. And Deckers is going to get the questions all week and all year about coming into a game, about competing for that job. It's Purdy's job. You, you stick with your guy. Listen, if they were down 42 nothing in the fourth quarter, fine, pull Purdy, get him out of there. 35 nothing, fine, pull Purdy, get him out of there. But they were down, what, 24-10? Uh, Something like that? 24-10, 27-10? That's a football game. Couple of scores, couple of stops. But it wasn't really like they were doing a whole heck of a lot defensively. I mean, the numbers they put up, that they, that Iowa put up in this football game, and if Iowa fan is 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 listening right now, do you really think that your team is the fifth best team in America? I mean, the defense is nasty, absolutely nasty. When you see Jack Campbell with that scoop and score, and the way those guys fly around, and the way they beat you up on the offensive line. That defense is absolutely nasty. They're going to make games ugly for a lot of football teams. I truly do believe that. I think they're going to be a lot of teams on Iowa's schedule. They're going to see Iowa come. And I don't know if they play Ohio State. Look at their schedule real quick. Nope, they don't play Ohio State. I don't, who knows how good Ohio State is after what happened to them. 
But there are going to be a lot of teams on this schedule. They're going to beat up physically. It's a 12-round fight with a bunch of body blows before they go for the knockout punch. But back the truck up here for a second. Iowa hasn't looked great on offense for two weeks. They didn't look great on offense in the first week. They had the two uh, the two pick sixes by Riley Moss. They were in great field position a lot. You had the big run by Tyler Goodson. And then in this one against Iowa State, Petrus wasn't great. Petrus hasn't looked great. He's been okay. He was 11 of 21, had the one touchdown pass. Tyler Goodson, 21 carries, 55 yards. That's an average of 2.6 yards per carry. Now, granted, Iowa was in great field position a lot in this game, just like they were against Indiana. But to put Iowa up there with the likes of Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Oregon, all those teams you know can score 35, 45 points with their offense. I mean, Oregon goes into the shoe last week. And I didn't think they were going to win. I thought they would keep it close within that number. I think I mentioned that last week. Check the podcast to make sure. 14 and a half was just far too big. But Oregon can score. Oklahoma, you know, can score. They can't stop anybody because they're Oklahoma. That's what they do. Uh, Alabama is just Alabama. They're on another planet from everybody else. And then there's Iowa. Iowa has to – I feel like Iowa – if they don't force turnovers, they're not going to win games. I don't know if that defense, I'm sorry, I don't know if that offense is good enough to score a whole bunch, you know, score six times, uh, whether it's four touchdowns and a couple of field goals or whatever. I don't know if they're good enough to have that many scoring possessions. But here they are. They win ugly. They win old school Big Ten style. They force turnovers. They beat you up at the offensive line. They put pressure on the quarterback. They play physical, which is amazing considering how much they lost on that defensive line. But they got linebackers. They got guys in the secondary who are flying around back there. If Iowa can figure out how to score some more points, sustain more drives, and get big-time numbers out of Petrus and out of Goodson, I think you could really be looking at a team that could go on a big run here. They've won eight games in a row, going back to last year's six, and and this year they're now 2-0. and This is a football team that knows how to win games, and the next two games are cake. The next two games are cake. Kent State, Big Ten, a big deal. Colorado State may be the worst Power 5 team in the nation, maybe. That's usually Kansas' job. But it might be Colorado State this year. Uh, as of right now, that spread 17.5 points, and it's still eight days away. If you can get that number low, get that number low. There's my betting advice. Then they go to Maryland, and then they play Penn State. Some real measuring stick games out of the gate in the Big Ten. And, of course, people are, are going to wonder about Wisconsin. I don't know what to make of Wisconsin. They lost to Penn State. Graham Mertz doesn't look like he's gotten a hell of a lot better. And then last week, they beat Eastern Michigan. Big deal. That's like what's going to happen with Kent State and Colorado State for Iowa, assuming they don't have a letdown game. So there are your, your there's your Iowa-Iowa State recap from the week, where they go in the future. The Hawkeyes are up to number five. They've got a couple of winnable games in front of them. Iowa State, I don't know what's winnable right now. I don't know what's winnable, and we shall see. All right, coming up, we are going to switch gears to the National Football League I got to talk about something that is really, really making me mad, making me angry. And I'm seeing it 
all over, all over the sports media world. Also, we'll look at the rest of the big football games over the weekend, just like we did last week. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket and follow us at ESPN DSM. But we'll hit what is just making me mad. Coming up next here on 1350 ESPN. All right, 1350 ESPN. It's Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Big college football weekend, big NFL weekend. We'll go over the biggest games of the weekend coming up. And don't forget ESPNDesMoines.com. For some reason, uh, somebody here at ESPN Des Moines has decided to uh, tweet out my record week one in my own football challenge where I am 6-10. and 10. Not real thrilled with that. But for some reason, we decided we had to go ahead and do that. But I digress. So as you know, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and I root for the team up in uh, up in Titletown, USA. And last week's game was horrendous. You know about it. It was Aaron Rodgers. It was a terrible game. They got beat 38-3 by Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. And predictably... The entire sports world has melted down over the performance of the Green Bay Packers. And predictably, the entire sports world has melted down over a lot of things in week one of the NFL season. I understand what my friends in the sports media industry have to do. I get it. You want clicks, you want eyes, you want ears. You want people to watch, to listen, to read, to consume every single thing that you do. I understand that. Hell, that's what I want too, right? Like, I want you to listen to this show. I want this show to grow. I want you to read my blogs. I want you to read the things that I write on the internet. I want you to follow me. That's what we all want. That's how we all have success. That's how we all uh, make our money, earn that cheddar. But good bleeping Lord, am I angry at the sports media industry today? Because it was literally one game. Specifically Rodgers, but I have a whole list of things. Like Kyle Pitts, I saw, was officially declared a bust by some. Uh, James Robinson is officially done. The Jaguars running back. Uh There were so many things, so many overreactions from week one of the NFL season, but I specifically want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because that's the team that I care about. I know there are a lot of Packers fans in and around the area, but it was literally one game. It was terrible. They looked bad. They had no answer. The offensive line, although Pro Football Focus graded them out very well, the offensive line didn't look great. Aaron looked terrible. The game plan was an absolute freaking joke. To only run the ball, what, a dozen times in a football game? And I know they were behind at the end, so they let Rodgers throw, throw, throw. But you have Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is a top five, top six running back in the NFL, and you gave him less than 10 touches in a football game. A.J. Dillon is the thunder, is the hammer to go along with the lightning that is Aaron Jones. I mean, he was averaging four yards a carry. Only got about five carries in the game. Maybe even less than that. But the game plan itself was was terrible. 
But I, as a Packers fan, as someone who bleeds the green and gold, who carries the G, I did not in any way get done watching that football game on Sunday, that loss last week, and think, Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. That's been said. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be a Green Bay Packer. That's been said. Aaron Rodgers is doing this on purpose. That's been said. And that's a joke. All of this is a flipping joke. Rodgers had a horrible game. The Packers had a horrible game. I have always said, if you had followed my career wherever I have been, I have always said that in the National Football League, you aren't who you are until October. How many times are the Dolphins 2-0 and or the Jets 2-0 and or whatever? And and you look at that team and you're like, well, the Jets 2-0? and You know they're not 2-0 and good, but they are 2-0. and Or somebody in the NFL, or the Bears are 2-0, and or the Lions, or whatever. And there's all this talk, and you're like, no, I, I've been here before. I, I know how this works. The Lions win a game. Everybody wonders, are they back? It's like when Texas actually wins a football game, and you're like, is Texas back? No, Texas is never back. Nebraska is never going to be back. It is the fourth preseason game in this shortened preseason. It was the first time Rodgers had played with these guys. Now, I know there are other teams in the NFL that gelled and looked good in week one. Packers didn't. But the fact that the 17-game season is now one game in, except for the, the Giants and the, and the Washington football team from last night, but the fact that we are one game into a 17-game schedule and so many people, like Jermichael Finley, former Packers tight end, who says a lot of inflammatory things that you can't really put a grain of salt with, he basically said it's time for the Jordan Love era to begin. Listen. I have full faith in Jordan Love. I am a Jordan Love guy. I'm going to buy the Jordan Love uh, jersey. I will have the jersey. I believe in Jordan Love. But now at the time, if in four or five weeks, the Packers still look this bad, if Aaron still is throwing multiple picks, one when he got hit in the nuts, like you said on the Pat McAfee show, and that's why he threw the pick. Okay, fine. Whatever. I don't care. This was game one of the NFL season and an extended NFL season, a 17-game NFL season. If you literally look at week one of the NFL season and you, then you and you look at the team that wins the Super Bowl and look back at their week one performance, oftentimes it's not the same team. You know, the, the, the Saints beat the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-3 to at one point last year. Granted, it was week nine of last season. But they've done this before, and things worked out pretty well for Tampa. Now, I'm not saying Green Bay is going to go and win the Super Bowl because they share in common the same final score as Tampa uh, suffered last week and the same fate, not last week, but last year, and the same fate that Tampa suffered to this New Orleans team. But there's just so much overreaction in the National Football League about everything, about every team. After one game at another thing. All right, so I realize if you're a Packers fan or if you just watch from the outside, you know that when the Packers fired Mike Pettin as their defensive coordinator and replaced him with Joe Barry, Packers fans weren't all rah-rah excited about that one because 
He, of course, was the defensive coordinator for the 0-16 Lions. He had some pretty bad defenses when he was the defensive coordinator in Washington. But this is a guy that was there in L.A. with LaFleur, and he was his guy. So he brings in his guy. That's fine. Bring in your guy. Whatever you want to do, that's okay. So he brings this guy in. People are upset. Defense didn't look great. They didn't have any answer for Jameis Winston. You hear Sean Payton kind of expected that what he was going to, what, what the uh, the defense was going to throw at Winston. They did a decent job of bottling up Alvin Kamara, who torches everybody, but they gave up 38 points to Jameis Winston. <sighs> Big deep breath again. Now, I said that you aren't who you are usually until the month of October. When it comes to a defense and a new defense and a switching of systems and a switching of defensive coordinators, I don't think you really are for six weeks or maybe even eight weeks. Now, hear me out. I used to work in Kansas City. I did some work for the Kansas City Chiefs on a radio station down in KC. And in 2019, January of 2019, the Kansas City Chiefs got beat by the New England Patriots by Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. That month, they fired longtime defensive coordinator Bob Sutton. Bob's an old school guy. Bob uh, had his way, but he was Andy Reid's boy. and He wasn't going to get rid of him until finally, after all of the pressure in the world, they fired Bob Sutton down there. Fire Sutton was trending, much like Fire Dom was trending if you're a Packers fan and probably Fire Petten and Let's be real. Uh, there's a good shot that fire Joe Barry is probably trending at some point somewhere in Wisconsin. So they fire uh, Bob Sutton up in, or down in Kansas City. And they hire Steve Spagnola, former head coach of the Giants, longtime defensive coordinator. Spags comes in. All right, cool. They signed Teron Matthew and they trade for Frank Clark in the offseason, which is great. But you know what happened week one? Week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, week seven of that season. Statistically, Spags' defense was worse than Bob Sutton's. But a funny thing happened. Midway through October, the defense began to play better because the guys started to play the system longer. This is a game of repetition. How many more swings can you get? This is a game where you have to play when the bullets are flying. This is a game where you have to get out there and play real football. Preseason doesn't matter. Practice doesn't matter. When do you get on the field and scheme against quarterbacks, scheme against wide receivers, scheme against offensive coordinators? You need to give this time. Nobody comes in, flips a defense, and becomes a dominant Super Bowl winning defense like that. So to the people who are just hating on Joe Barry, while his track record isn't great in Detroit, Washington, he's got a good one in L.A. Now, he had Aaron Donald there. But what I'm trying to tell you with the Green Bay Packers, whether you're a fan, you're a hater, you're somebody in the media, you're just watching from the sideline, whatever it is, it was one game. It was absolutely one game. Aaron Rodgers was right when he said it's one game. Devontae Adams' tweet, I'm looking at it right now, flush it and respond, exactly. And now, if you're the Packers, it's Lions week. And what does that mean? Well, the narrative is about to change. If the Packers win 45-10, to 10, what's the new narrative? Is the storyline of the Packers, oh, they're back? They're good? Rodgers is fine? Defense is fine? No, it won't be. The 
narrative on the Lions game, if they win 45-10 or some sort of blowout like that, the, the narrative will be, well, it's the Lions. They're supposed to be the Lions. Aaron Rodgers has owned the Lions. Everybody in the NFC North has owned the Detroit Lions, who had a really good quarter and a half against uh, the 49ers last week. But that 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 won't be the storyline should Green Bay blow, blow out or even beat Detroit handily. It'll be, mm, SOL, same old Lions. So if you're a Packers fan, if you're an Aaron Rodgers fan, if you're me, get back to the drawing board, go on Monday Night Football, Run the damn ball with Aaron Jones. All this talk of, is the Packers offense figured out? No. They played cover shell. They had gaps up the middle. They didn't blitz anybody. And Green Bay just dropped Aaron Rodgers back the whole time. Go up the gut. Run something up the seam. Find a tight end over the middle. There was space there. And they absolutely did not take advantage of it. Whether that's a Rodgers thing, a Lafleur thing, whatever, rescheme this thing. Come out fired up. Show that intensity the people at Lambeau Field come to expect. <sighs> Get fat on the Lions, and you know what? Get fat on the Lions, and do it on national TV, and shut everybody up because I'm sick of it. <laughs> I am sick of it. All right, coming up. Big football weekend. We'll hit the biggest college football games. There are a couple of them that are really, really big. Uh, and also all of the games of the National Football League. God, what a great weekend of NFL football. We'll hit them all next here on 1350 ESPN. 1350 ESPN. It is Wicket's World. Uh, I really feel good about that cleansing. So I appreciate you uh, letting me do that because I've been sitting on that all week. Honest to God, I have been sitting on that all week. Um, it's just been really bothering me. All of the overreaction about everything in week one of the NFL season is kind of like in Major League Baseball in April. When your team starts out 2-8, and eight, you want to fire your manager? <laughs> Maybe your manager's won two division titles in five years or whatever. You've been in the playoffs four or five times lately. Team starts out 2-6. and six. After a couple of four-game series, and you're like, fire the man! Come on. It's a grind. It's a grind. You know what else is a grind? Running through some of these college football games, I imagine it is a grind being a Nebraska football fan. Nebraska-Oklahoma playing on the 50th anniversary of the greatest game ever played. It's the early game. By the way, this is the early game for a reason, because they know this game is going to suck. All right? Nebraska-Oklahoma tomorrow, 11 a.m. Sooners are a 22.5-point favorite. It's such a big number, but the game is being played in Norman, and Nebraska sucks. So I, I would probably go ahead and say, pick the Sooners to cover in that one. Uh, but you do what you got to do with with that football game. There isn't a ton of other great action. There's a couple of good ones, like the marquee game over on CBS tomorrow is going to be Florida and Alabama. Oh, Nelly, Alabama, and I think. And if you're an Alabama fan, don't take this personally, but I think everybody wants Alabama to lose, don't you? I mean, this just is becoming so unfair to watch Alabama always be so great. And then every week when they play somebody out of the SEC or when they played Miami the opening week, it was like, maybe finally someone will give Alabama a game. And Miami got curb stomped in that football game. They got trucked. Same thing goes here with Florida. It's like, well... 
I hope Florida can give Alabama a game. I hope this thing is worth watching And by the time we get into the third and fourth quarter. But I know it's not going to be. Think about this. The line is 14 and a half, and this is being played in the swamp. If this game, 1v11, it's a two-touchdown and a hook spread. If this game was being played in Tuscaloosa, you flip six points. Can you imagine being Florida 2-0, number 11 in the country, and you're at 20-and-a-half-point underdog if this was played in Alabama? They're only a 14-and-a-half-point dog, and they're playing at home in that one. It just, you know, you hope it's good. It probably won't be, but you hope it's good. And then there's one more great game on the schedule, and that is uh, Auburn and Penn State. That's the uh, Herb Street game. That's the night game coming up. Number 22, Auburn, all those athletes, all those four- and five-star kids, they go up to the whiteout at Happy Valley. That's going to be cool. You know those those games always look really great on TV, and this one will be no different. So uh, that's really, really great. Penn State is a five-point favorite. It would be a really big win for the Big Ten if Penn State could pull this game off and win at home as a favorite over one of these big, bad SEC teams coming up to Big Ten country. That would be big, uh, especially after the weekend last weekend when Ohio State got beat by a Pac-10 team, Pac-12 team, excuse me, uh, at the horseshoe. Because who's carrying the torch right now for the Big Ten? Iowa. But Iowa's got Kent State and Colorado State. Those are very winnable games. Those aren't going to make anybody get excited when they go 2-0 and over the next week, should they go 2-0 and over the next week. So Penn State with a great defense, not the greatest offense on the planet yet. Give me Auburn in the points. Anytime I can get an SEC team against a Big Ten team getting some points, I'll take it. I hope Penn State wins that football game and uh, shut some SEC people up. NFL games, Bengals-Bears, that's early is the Andy Dalton experiment over? Like, Andy Dalton sucked in Cincinnati at the end. Andy Dalton sucked in Dallas last year. And Andy Dalton sucks now, and they paid him a lot of money to suck as the starting quarterback when the heir apparent is right there. This is a great spot for Justin Fields to get in play, start against a bad Bengals secondary at Soldier Field. Come on! Uh, Texans and Browns, boy, Cleveland gave Kansas City 50 minutes of great football last week. Only problem is a game is 60 minutes. They get fat. They're a 13-point favorite against Terod Taylor and the Houston Texans. That's a college line. Uh, Rams and Colts. Boy, Matt Stafford looked good. That guy is the missing piece for the uh, the Rams. I think they go on the road just like Seattle did last week and beat uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Bills at Dolphins. Bills surprising loss last week. They go on the road down to the warm weather. Tua gets Will Fuller back as one of his weapons. I kind of like the Dolphins in that football game. Patriots are at the Jets. What you got Mac Jones against the other rookie, the kid from from BYU is in there. It could be exciting, right? Right? By the way, I hope you drafted uh, Corey Davis in your fantasy team. I did. Sleeper pick. Total sleeper pick. Niners at the Eagles. Niners, Niners got a scare from the Lions last week. Eagles are 1-0. and oh, Look good last week doing it. Raiders are going to the Steelers. Raiders, big Monday Night Football win. I don't think they do it again. Playing an early game, West Coast to the East Coast. I'll take the Steel Curtain at home. Saints at the Panthers. I, I, can Jameis Winston keep this rolling through five TDs last week? I don't believe so, but I could be wrong. I'll take the Panthers at home. Broncos are at the Jaguars. I mean, 
Say what you want about Urban Meyer, but it doesn't look like it's off to a very good start. Give me the Broncos on the road. I'll take the Vikings and the Cardinals in this next one. I'll give me Kyler Murray at home. Falcons and Buccaneers. Pfft, come on. Uh, Cowboys at Chargers. Last team to have the football will win this game. Go the home team. Titans are at the Seahawks. Boy, Seattle looked good week one, but I feel like we said that last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. The big one is Chiefs and Ravens on Sunday night football. I got to go Chiefs, right? They've owned Baltimore for this in the last, you know, couple of years. And then you've got the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. I mentioned if Green Bay wins, the narrative changes to, well, are they back and they're fine to, no, no, it's just the Detroit Lions. I think Packers win big. That's going to do it. I am out of here. My thanks to uh, Kira for producing this program. My name is Wicket, Mike Wicket. Thank you so much for checking out Wicket's World here on 1350 ESPN. We'll do it again coming up next week. You have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thanks so much for listening. Big announcement Monday. Make sure you're listening to 1350 ESPN.